right, and welcome into another edition of Kicking It, the Northwestern Soccer Podcast. This is probably a familiar voice to all you listeners, but not the voice that you're used to hearing first. I'm Austin Miller, joined as always by Amit Malik. But Amit is under the weather and maybe under the influence of a little bit of menthol cough drops. So he handed over the hosting duties here in more of a producer role today. Amit, thanks for grinding it out, but we don't want to put you under too much pressure. My whole life has become menthol right now, and I'm really despising it, just trying to power through. I mean, to be fair, you did what was needed of you, and you got through a broadcast on Sunday afternoon, but that was kind of the end of it. You probably slept nonstop since then. Yeah, missed all my classes yesterday. Uh, somehow made it through three hours of a journalism class with a certain professor today. Just, just, just hanging in there. Hang it on. Thankfully, I do not have to go this alone with only a mitt because Parker Johnson is here this week. Parker, it is great to have you back on the show. <coughs> Even better because my usual compatriot is coughing and sucking cough drops like there's no tomorrow. So it's good to have you, man. Oh, I am glad to be here. I'm glad my my own cough has cleared up a little bit. You might hear me hacking a little bit too, but uh, trying to got stay some, away from everybody. Got some I'm Tuesday night good. responsibilities off the board since it's Halloween. And That's what you uh, look for. Oh, happy Halloween here, to all you listeners. Hope that your costumes are better than the costumes of a certain Big Ten women's soccer team, and that is all we will say about that issue on this podcast today. Coming up, we will break down women's soccer's Big Ten quarterfinal win against Purdue. We will preview the semifinals against Wisconsin, as well as touch on a potential final against either Ohio State or Penn State. We will wrap up a bit of men's soccer, Wildcats dropping one to Penn State. They start the Big Ten tournament on Friday. It's going to take a big run for them to make some noise, but hey, you never know, postseason football. And then we're going to go around the world for a little bit. We got some Champions League action. Besiktas haven't played yet, but they're going to get their three points tomorrow. And then at the end, Amit did was healthy enough to sit down with Northwestern women's soccer coach Michael Moynihan, so we'll have that for you at the end of the podcast. And also, very special edition on this podcast, SEC women's soccer quarterfinals are happening as we are recording this. And the number two team in the RPI, South Carolina, is currently 1-0 down to Arkansas. So there could be some live reactions to that as we go. Who knows? Parker, you never know. There very well may be some live reactions to the conclusion of this South Carolina-Arkansas game. Uh, But let's start at Martin Stadium on Sunday. Parker, it was a really fun match. It was a great match. I I, I was thoroughly entertained um, as as a spectator and a partial broadcaster in this matchup. Uh, Wildcats, good performance. Also, really good performance by Purdue. I mean, we knew they were a potent offensive team. They definitely showed that, had a couple of great chances as well. Certainly a thrilling back-and-forth match uh, that the Cats were able to cap off at the end with a goal. Some good chances each way early in the first half. Uh, Northwestern had one cleared off the line on a fantastically worked set piece where they went short and then went to the back post for Maria Fiel. And then she, rather than try to take a tight angle header, headed it back across the box into the mixer, got a header that was on target. Purdue managed to clear it off the line. Amit said this on the broadcast. That's why you put somebody on that post if you're Purdue goalkeeper Erica Young. Oh yeah, as a as a former goalkeeper, I was I was mentioning this to a couple people who I was with at the game. But you love when that defender is does does their job on the post and clears it off the line. 
there's there's no bigger sigh of relief that you, that you will ever experience as a goalkeeper than that. But you, you just feel like you made the right decision putting somebody on the post. And, and Purdue certainly did in that instance. It's one of those where you're like, yeah, I knew that. I knew that was coming. That's why oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's there. the whole reason she was there. We knew the whole play Northwestern. And credit and credit Lemire on that play for Purdue for sticking on the post, too. Because yeah. that ball, it wasn't like it went to one head and then came in. Right. got put back across. And you can very easily, as we'll talk a little bit about later, get caught ball watching, creep off that line, and then boom, get beaten. She didn't do that. And that kept the score nil-nil. Northwestern then hit the post later in that first half. Purdue had a shot that was heading on target until either Lauren Clem or Hannah Davison, somebody got a touch to it to keep it out. It looked like Davison couldn't really tell. It was a very exciting first half, and it was kind of what we expected from Purdue. As you said, Parker, a dangerous team offensively. Maddie Williams didn't have a ton of space to work, and that's something Northwestern has done so well this year. Singular attacking players that are incredibly dangerous, which Maddie Williams absolutely is, Northwestern has taken out of the match this year, and they did that against the Boilermakers on Sunday. Yeah, they absolutely did. I mean, for me personally, not knowing much about Purdue going into the game, it was interesting for me to know that Maddie Williams was the primary threat, and so I was continuously watching her throughout the game. I didn't even realize which number she was until about 20 minutes into the match simply because she was so anonymous on the field uh, from from my standpoint in the crowd. So, yeah, North, Northwestern did a great job of that. I think a lot of that is due to just the communication of the back line. I mean, I'm you know, I'm sure we, Davison we, and Sharples. we talk Davison. about that nonstop, uh, Clem as well in goal, like, that communication is so underrated, uh, but but that's something that Northwestern does a fantastic job of, and that's a big part of why the defense is, is so effective, especially when it comes to keeping track of one specific player, which they did a very good job of against Williams. Then this match spun along in the second half, and coming out of halftime, Parker, I thought Purdue <coughs> had the upper hand for the first 20 minutes of that second half. They were applying the pressure. They had an effort from Griffith that went off the crossbar that could have opened the scoring for them. And then Purdue manager Drew Roth decided that he wanted to make sure he'd have his first-choice attackers down the stretch. So he took out two attacking players and two midfielders, brought in some subs, and that's something that Michael Moynihan did not do in this match. He made one substitution in the second half, and that moment seemed like it changed the match. Northwestern found their footing. Even when Williams and company came back in, they couldn't get the pressure back on like they would have wanted. Yeah, it seemed like it seemed like the Purdue coach sort of derailed the momentum that they had. Uh, and it's I would, tough. I would, because it's hard to ask those players. It's probably how you manage a game in the regular season. Um, your players aren't always, most of them aren't fit to play 90 minutes, especially at a pacey, aggressive press like Purdue is. I understand the move, but you can see kind of the difference in philosophy. Michael Moynihan usually does the 30-30-30 approach also, we've, and Parker, we've seen this all year, but didn't do it. And I think the choice to leave his starters in that whole second half paid off. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd have to agree with that one 100%. It's, it's, as you mentioned a bit, it's a different philosophy when you get to postseason soccer, and you could see the difference between Michael Moynihan and uh, the Purdue coach as well. Didn't didn't seem to work. I mean, I, I don't want to say that it really didn't work out for Purdue because of how late Northwestern actually did get the goal. I mean, Purdue was able to hold Northwestern off and, again, pressured very well in the first few minutes before the subs came it, off. It but. wasn't necessarily that it didn't work out for Purdue because you can't say that change led to Northwestern goal. Right. Not the case. I think what it did is rob Purdue of their momentum that they had because they started that second half, as Austin said, really well. And the problem was once they lost their momentum, North, they didn't get it back once their players came back in. Northwestern had it and kind of rode it out. South Carolina just skied a chance, wide open in the 18. Tight angle, oh, but you got to put that on target. Absolutely. Got to put that on target. 22. Senate. Straight over the crossbar. Hate Bottled to see it. it. Um, 
But yeah, I think I agree with you guys in that it robbed Purdue of probably their best chance of scoring. And once that momentum kind of shifted, it didn't seem like Purdue was all that threatening. And then the goal, Parker, and we've said it all year, we will continue to say it all year for as long as Northwestern continues to play. Set pieces, set pieces, set pieces. And this was... I think more so Northwestern taking advantage of a poorly defended set piece from Purdue. The ball came in from Marissa Vigiano. Brenna Lavera rose above for Northwestern and headed down to Michelle Cherneski. And Parker, she was in acres of space. And when you look back at this goal, when you watch it again, you just see two Purdue players that were responsible for that space. Purdue played zonal marking all afternoon. That was their space. And they just got caught ball watching, eyes up in the air. They get sucked in, going to challenge for a ball with six other players. And Chernesky was just wide open. Credit to her. Strong finish. Took advantage. And that was all Northwestern needed. Yeah. I mean, as an Arsenal fan, don't get me started on Sonal marking defensively. But uh, but what I will say about that, I mean, <coughs> as you said, Chernesky, she could pick the inch of the goal that she wanted to put it in on that one. She, I've never seen, I don't think, in recent memory, a player with more immediate space in the box, especially off of a set piece. Right. But it wasn't like it was a one-on-one break in which no. she got behind. There I mean, so she many... started at the penalty spot and then peeled to like the corner of the six-yard box and nobody was within six yards of her. Um, I, I think Purdue's set piece defending was poor all afternoon and they finally paid for it because you'll hear I talked to Michael Moynihan on this uh, uh, in our interview. He said it was planned and we were wondering, Austin, on the broadcast whether or not this was or wasn't. I mean, I don't know, Parker, you saw it. It didn't look like Trinescu was supposed to do that, but clearly Northwestern saw that Purdue wasn't marking properly. I would actually disagree with that one. I thought you, I thought, you thought it, was, it was. Frederick and I were talking about this um, as we were watching it happen. He noticed, and, and I saw it as well, that Trinescu started on the far post, and when the ball was in the air, she slid across like basically okay, the defensive so line was. or the offsides line in order to get to that near post again. So I think that was definitely yeah. uh, a set play I by Moynihan. even if Purdue defended that correctly, you like your chances. Trudeski yeah. one-on-one at the near post. It's just Purdue totally botched it, and it worked even better than the plan had gone. And there's this moment in watching it back where Trudeski gets the ball at her feet, and you can kind of almost feel the roll of the eyes from Erica Jan, the Purdue goalkeeper. Because she's just like, yeah. oh, come on. What am I supposed to do with yeah. this? And to her credit, she comes out, she tries to get as big as she can, but there's a lot of space for Cherneski to pick yeah. out with that shot. And she did. And that can be tough in those types of situations. You know, you, you don't want to get into a head <coughs> game with the goalkeeper. She just put her head down, said, I'm going right foot, blazed it right by her, 1-0 for Northwestern. And there wasn't really any time for a response for Purdue. And that was so big the Cats, they didn't need to go to overtime, and that can kind of get tenuous. They did it right at the end of regulation and got it done. Well, I think there's something to be said as well for sort of the pattern here, is that the two, I would argue the two best chances, Northwestern had a third that hit the post as well, as we mentioned, but the two best chances for Northwestern, the one that was clear off the line in the first half, and then the goal, both came off back post crosses that were then headed back across, and that's something that especially... In the women's game, you see a lot. I, Japan got really famous for this in the World World Cup, the Women's World Cup, um, because they didn't have as tall of players, but what they could always do is just kick it over everybody and then head it back. So it's like a you know a five-yard cross instead of <coughs> having to cross it from, from the corner directly. It's one of the hardest things to defend. Yeah. And I think... Because your, your yeah, instinct is yeah. always it's to, to chase follow the ball. ball. It's yeah. always to follow the but ball. But you have to stay on the people who the ball went over their head the first time. And this is something we've been talking about recently, not in all year development, is the variety of the set pieces has been really good. And I think 
Northwestern knowing that teams know what their number one option is is a ball right to Sharple's head, and they realize that teams are game planning against that and coming up with ways to get around it. And the first two set pieces, the first two corners that Northwestern had, Parker, Cassidy Gorman had all day to pick out her ball. They played it short, and Gorman on Mm -hmm. her right foot was playing that ball in towards the far post. She just had so much space for it. It was like Purdue didn't even recognize that that was a possibility. They adjusted to that after they saw it in the match, but Northwestern had been doing that. The Cats did that against Michigan State with success. That's how they scored their goal against the Spartans. They did it again against Purdue with success. And that set-piece variance heading in as far as they go in the Big Ten tournament and then into the NCAA tournament is so, so critical for them because it makes them even more dangerous from set pieces, where they're already so dangerous. Right. Well, I think it speaks to Mitt's point that, that Moynihan has done a great job of just switching it up because, to me, that's that's a very smart and mature response to realizing, like, oh, yeah, the team, you know, the team is clearly relying on set pieces. So he doesn't go out and say, all right, you know, let's, let's just only practice run of play and trying to score in the run of play because that's not something that you can inherently improve. But he realized that, hey, set pieces, we have a chance to draw up a play, and therefore... By drawing up different plays, as you mentioned, going short, we also mentioned heading it back, a combination of the two, which is what led to the first chance, by being able to switch it up and having three or four different styles of plays that you can go to. There's another free kick in the game where I don't remember who it was that lined up over the kick, but sort of lined up like she was going to take a cross or a shot and then just pass it up the sideline uh, to another Northwestern player. Yeah, that was but, to Maddie Kettle. But that's didn't, another didn't look as off, well. But that's a really good yeah, play. Didn't come I got off. mad on the broadcast because I thought Maddie Kettle was the wrong personnel for that play. But another good one because she was wide open down that left side. And that's something that I think Northwestern is going to be able to use to their advantage as they go forward in postseason. Because set pieces are already big for them in the regular season, but especially in the (coughs) postseason, they're going to continue to grow bigger for the Wildcats. Ooh, South Carolina, so close. That goalie's got to get that goal kick a lot further than she did on that one. You can't be giving away possession like that. But a 1-0 win for Northwestern against Purdue Parker. They are now into the Big Ten Tournament semifinals. Waiting for them are the Wisconsin Badgers, who went up to Minneapolis and beat Minnesota fairly handily, 2-0. Minnesota did not record a shot on target in that match. A good performance from Wisconsin. They're the sixth seed in the Big Ten, but they have a great RPI number, 22nd overall. But this is a team that Northwestern beat handily, 2-0, in the regular season. What do you expect from this match? It'll be played Friday afternoon on the north side of Indianapolis, the winner then to play on Sunday in the Big Ten Championship. So it's back to kind of your typical weekend here where you're playing two matches. What do you expect to see from this match on Friday? Well, look, I think Northwestern should be the favorite. I think we'll, we'll get that out. I think we can all agree in this room that Northwestern should be the favorite in that game. Obviously, 2-0 performance over Wisconsin, but I expect this matchup to be a lot closer. Uh, personally, as a fan of Northwestern, I'm a little more nervous about this matchup simply because we've seen the advantage that that playing at Martin Stadium gives uh, to Northwestern, especially defensively, where they haven't conceded there uh, since, what, last year in the Big Ten against Michigan, right? Big Ten play. Big Ten play. Not since Michigan, and they did not concede a goal in Big Ten play this year at Martin Stadium. And part of that is simply the conditions. Part of that is also it's the only turf field in the Big Ten. I think that plays a little bit differently. So, yeah, I think that is a fair question. Yeah, take them away from Martin Stadium. What will you get? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's something that, I'm considering in, in looking at this matchup. And also, I think just simply reven- revenge factor, it's hard to beat a, beat the same team twice, especially in such a short period. Exactly. So we saw with Purdue in the reverse, where Northwestern lost the first game, won the second game. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a lot tighter. I think Northwestern should certainly be favored. But it's going to be the same formula for Northwestern. We say it every game. We've said it already on the podcast. Defense <coughs> and set pieces. Northwestern can, can keep Wisconsin off the board. 
I think they'll be in good shape. Five straight clean sheets now for Northwestern. Wisconsin, a certainly a dangerous team attacking-wise. They have another one of those good, kind of more athletic rather than strong forwards in Danny Rhodes. 11 goals this year. Always good when you can get to that double-digit number. She's going to be dangerous. Amit, you were on the call when Wisconsin came to Martin Stadium. It was a fairly dominant performance from Northwestern. They controlled that match, and maybe uncharacteristically for them, they scored twice, and both of them were not from set pieces. Second one was. From Sorry, one of them yeah, but was not from the The first goal piece. was really nice passing all around. Brenna Lavera played in. McKenna and Gotti, who had switched sides, got up on the left wing in a lob space and scored. I thought Northwestern dominated that match. Not that Wisconsin wasn't in it, but it never felt like Wisconsin could attack Northwestern's goal. They just didn't string enough passes together. I think they're gonna I think Danny Rhodes was a little bit stranded in that match. I think it's gonna be the same case of that, but I think a really good point that you mentioned, Parker. It's, we'll, it'll be interesting to see how it is on grass, away from home. Will Northwestern's defense have the same? And I think Wisconsin will be more up for this than they were for that one. It's always tough to come play at Martin Stadium. I, I wouldn't say I'm worried necessarily for Northwestern. I think their defense is going to hold up. But I think that Northwestern's not going to... They should not expect an easy 2-0 game. And by easy, I mean whatever Northwestern scores in the first half, that's, feel pretty confident. that's pretty much, you know, a death sentence for the other team. It's just it's just really hard to score Northwestern once they get the lead. One team in the last two years has been able to come from behind to get a result against Northwestern. That was Cincinnati earlier this year. Otherwise, since August of 2016, nobody has gone behind against Northwestern and come back and gotten something from a match. That is a ridiculously good yeah, stat. It's, it's really hard to do that. And I think that Northwestern, if they score first, this one will be fine. But they shouldn't expect to get, you know... A really nice goal like that. It's going to be scrappy. I think you said it, Parker. Set pieces are going to come into play again. And Wisconsin, you know, they don't really have a second option other than Danny Rhodes, which I thought was the problem. But you never know. A set piece, anything can happen. I do think Northwestern won't be troubled defensively, but it's going to be kind of scrappy. Reminds me a lot of the Nebraska game. Mm -hmm. uh, Wisconsin doesn't appear to be a particularly deep team. They're not going to be running in a lot of bodies. For Northwestern, I don't think you're as concerned about depth in this first match. On Friday, Parker, you've had the full week to rest. It's, it's like your usual first weekend game. <coughs> but we saw the rotation get cut a lot shorter by Michael Moynihan in that second half as kind of a an acknowledgement that, hey, look, it's postseason time. These are the 11 or 12 that I'm going to trust in this second half, and they got the job done. We'll see if that mindset changes a little bit with the prospect of a Sunday final down the line. Yeah, I think you have to put that into consideration uh, if you're Northwestern in terms of the body's available, playing games back-to-back, -back, but the, the primary focus has to be on Friday. You see it way too often in sports where teams are looking ahead to the next game, and I think even yeah. I myself have been guilty of this, of looking at potentially an Ohio State or a Penn State in the final. Northwestern needs to be focused on Friday, and if they are not, they will drop to Wisconsin. Yeah, three Big Ten semifinals in the last three years, no finals. So I think they will be focused on just trying to get there, regardless of what happens. I have the ranking summaries pulled yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, get it up. Get it up. Read it to me. Read it to me. My favorite thing to do uh, every week. Wisconsin, pretty average at everything. Their defense is good. Their shutout percentage is 25th in the country at .57. Means more than half of their games they play, they record a shutout. But saves per game, 318th in the country. They only make 2.7 saves per game. What that tells me, they have a really good defense, and their goalkeeper doesn't have to do a lot of work. It'll also be another club bowl. Caitlin Klebb versus Lord Klebb. Always fun to see that happening. Anything else from the ranking summaries that catches my eye? Not really. Danny Rhodes is one of the best goal scorers in the country. We knew that. And also, Alexis Ty is 
first in the conference with three yellow cards. Not a high number, but maybe she's violent. I All don't right. know. So here's 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 one thing about your <coughs> summary. We need to talk about the yellow card suspension number being five. Too no, high. Nobody's ever gonna get to five yellow Unless cards. Unless you're Andrew McLeod. <laughs> Put, it Put it three. Put it three. Different in the men's and women's game. The women's game simply isn't as physical as the men's game. You're not seeing as many cards handed out. Put it down at three. I want people to actually be suspended for persistent yellow cards. But that's neither here nor there. This game, Parker, obviously, is very important. Arkansas defeated South Carolina 1-0. Outshot. Big win. A late, a late push from South Carolina, too. Outshot 20-3. But the Razorbacks get the result. And are moving on to the SEC semifinals. Arkansas's RPI was at 50. Beating the RPI number two team in South Carolina is a massive, massive result. They may have just extended in their South season. South Carolina, you could book it. Yeah, we'll see. Book it for Arkansas. Put we'll them in the see. NCAA tournament. All right. in brackets, um, just book it. Speaking of the NCAA tournament, that's what I wanted to bring up with you, Parker. This is a big game because it's the Big Ten tournament semifinal. There's no, there needs to be no other motivation than that. But this is a big game as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned. I think regardless of result, Northwestern is safely in. Their RPI currently sits at 36th. Wisconsin's RPI is at 22nd. That's not going to be considered a bad loss should it happen. Northwestern is safely in. What they're probably playing for now is a potential home match. I think they can get a home match regardless of result here, but I think they would seal a first-round home match in the NCAA tournament with a win over Wisconsin <coughs> team. But I think their RPI is kind of them. Credit to them for scheduling well. But Wisconsin's 22nd in the RPI. I wouldn't say that they're the 22nd best team in the nation. A win here for Northwestern. You'd like what that would do to their RPI. And they earn a shot to obviously win the Big Ten. No chance they could win the Big Ten and somehow not get a first-round home match at the NCAA tournament. So a big game looking down the line as well, outside of just the Big Ten tournament bubble. Yeah, I mean, clearly a big game, but I I will profess ignorance here, and perhaps on behalf of the listener as well. Is there 64 teams in the soccer tournament? There are 64 teams in the tournament. I'm happy to to, to do this as I've been pouring through the RPI. Please do. Uh, There are 33 conferences... Uh, in women's soccer, wow! Each winner gets an auto bid, and there's 31 at-large teams. Okay. Now, pretty much your top 15 RPI, you're gonna get in. If you're outside of that, probably not, because it's not men's basketball where every game can be scrutinized to performance based on someone's sick. You miss a player, your neutral site, all that stuff. Women's soccer committee uses RPI as its number one guiding principle, and then second on that is good wins, like top 50 wins, like if you beat good teams. Like if you're... Like say if you beat RPI number two <laughs> South Carolina in the quarterfinals of the SEC yeah. tournament. Yeah, if you were a completely average team and you had that, you'd still be a kid. Then also you have to be over 500 to get in. 64 teams, and basically what the, co- the, the committee does is they seed the best 16 teams in the country. They give them each one, two, three, four seeds... It's not necessarily based on RPI, the top 60 teams. They do that, and then everyone else is simply at-large seeded. No seedings. They don't really say who's worse or who's better. And then home matches are given to those 16 teams that are all home, and the next 16 teams are done geographically, which is why it makes a lot of sense for Northwestern to host because of the Midwest regions geographically. You think about the good teams in the Midwest. You have Notre Dame, clearly good. You have Wisconsin, you have Northwestern. Ohio State. And Ohio State. Ohio State is second out of those four teams. The only other team that could potentially get in that mix, you would think, is Murray State. <coughs> They're currently RPI 29. They're 13-1-2 in the Ohio Valley Conference. 
a loss in the conference tournament and they would be just scrapping to try and get an at-large bid. But if yeah. they win that conference tournament... They'll probably host a game against a Big Ten team, which could be Northwestern, but could also be Purdue. Uh, Purdue, uh, Sorry, Purdue's probably out. Minnesota. Minnesota could be if they're the worst team. Could also be a Big East team, the two... Uh, Midwestern ones. Butler Neil Stafford may have to make the road trip from Cincinnati to Murray with his, the, the yeah. late slide that the Bearcats have undergone. So, also, one year, one region usually has to send teams out of its region to play somewhere else. Last year, it was the South. Two years ago, it was the Midwest. That's why Northwestern had to go play at Washington. What all this is telling you, you know, if you, you didn't get anything from that or you're getrained, whatever, is that Northwestern has really good chances to host because of their geographical proximity and a win on Friday would certainly seal that. If they lose, then you like their chances, but it's up in the air. And again, no one can know what the committee does for seeding because there is no, they have no formula for who hosts and who doesn't host games. Just to piggyback quickly off of what Amit said before we move on, Northwestern also benefits from the fact that there are a number of smaller conference Midwest teams that will require teams to host. So you look at the Mid-American Conference, that's what Kent State won last year when they came to Northwestern. You look at the Horizon League, the best team in that conference right now is a Milwaukee team that is undefeated but doesn't have enough, you would think, to host a match. The Missouri Valley Conference is going to be another Midwestern team that will probably need to go last on the road. Last year, Illinois State game. won that, went to Michigan, who was ranked 50th in RPI. 50th in RPI, you can still host a game because of the Midwest. And then finally, the Summit League, the top team in that right now is South Dakota State, which would also be a Midwest team. So that would also, you would think, help out Northwestern. So basically what we're saying is it looks likely that they will get a first-round game, but with the NCAA Women's Soccer Tournament being the way that it is, you never really know until that Selection Monday comes out. So keep winning matches just to make sure you're good. Let's talk quickly, Parker, about a potential final for Northwestern. We would not record a pod between the semifinals and the final. Ohio State and Penn State on the other side of the bracket. If you're Northwestern, you like that those two teams are both there and not on your side. You only have to go through one of them to win. The Wildcats were 1-0 winners <laughs> against Ohio State in Columbus earlier this year. They lost 3-0 to Penn State to open up the Big Ten. If Northwestern makes the final, regardless of who comes out of that match, it will be a difficult match. But the way that the Cats are playing now, the form that they're in, you don't want to doubt their chances. No, you certainly don't. And, and neither of these teams, in my opinion, looked particularly convincing in their first game. Did not see the Penn State Rutgers game, but that game finished nil-nil, went to penalty kicks, and that's how Penn State advanced. As far as the Ohio State game, they were up 1-0, took them 70 minutes to score on Iowa, who was the eighth seed who barely snuck into the Big Ten tournament. Iowa then tied it in regulation. The game went to overtime. And Ohio State scored with about five minutes left in the second overtime period to prevent penalty kicks. Um, so in my opinion, Ohio State didn't look very good to me either. Um, I think both of those teams could potentially uh, be a good matchup for Northwestern. Obviously, have to do through the first game first. But if you're looking at that, I think there's a good chance Penn State upsets Ohio State in this game. I think... Penn State is the more dangerous team from an offensive perspective. I think the attack that Penn State possesses is more potent than the attack that Ohio State possesses. Ohio State is a really good defensive team. Northwestern got them on a set piece in the first match. I don't know that that would happen in the second match. Both would be a difficult matchup, but I think Penn State might scare me a little bit more because of the versatility they have in attack. Again, that didn't come to fruition against Rutgers. They lost in the final day of the season against Wisconsin. So they're not coming into this on great form but I think I would almost rather face Ohio State, which is weird to say because they handily won the Big Ten. They were the best team in this conference by far. But Northwestern already showed that they can beat them. Regardless, 
think it would be a fun final. And if they do get to that final, you and I would be there on Sunday, Parker. Still working out if there will be a broadcast on Friday. Stay tuned to at WNUR Sports on Twitter for more on that. We will let you know when we know, trying to work some things into places. But if they're there on Sunday, we will absolutely have a broadcast. And then going forward in the NCAA tournament, we'll do our best to bring that coverage to you as well. Let's shift gears here a little bit, Parker, and move to Northwestern men's soccer. Tough weekend for the Wildcats. They went to University Park played Penn State, and were defeated by a score of 2-1. to one. Amit and I mentioned on last week's podcast, a really tough result because that puts Northwestern in the 8-9 game in the Big Ten tournament. And that's kind of where Big Ten tournament dreams go to die, Parker, because you play that 8-9 game on Friday afternoon, and then you play against the one seed if you win on Saturday afternoon, 24 hours after you finish that 8-9 game. Not an easy task. Definitely not an easy task. I wrote the same thing in uh, last week's non-revenue sports roundup on the website. You want to avoid that 8-9 game at all costs. Northwestern didn't do it. They had an opportunity, should they have beaten Penn State, uh, to get away and get into the 7 seed. But they did not do that, uh, as we said, 2-1 loss to Penn State. So they'll be in that 8-9 matchup. You have to favor them against Rutgers. Uh, and if they could move on, of course, you never know what could happen um, against number 1 seed, which would be uh, Michigan. But... I don't know. It's, that, a, that, it's a really tough spot to be in, and that's that's kind of the end of the story. Again, you don't want to be inherently against Northwestern's chances against Michigan. They played Michigan fairly tightly early on this year in Ann Arbor, which is where this match would take place. But it's really hard to have to play 90 minutes, <laughs> even if that's against a Rutgers team that you favor yourselves against. It's really hard to play 90 minutes on one day and then come back and have to play 90 or perhaps even 110 against a really tough Michigan team the next day just really really difficult yeah i think the only way uh that you could see northwestern getting a better chance against michigan is actually if the result went similarly to the last game against Rutgers, which happened a couple weeks ago where northwestern won by three if northwestern could find a way to get a big lead against Rutgers and then find the ability to rest some of its players a little bit contrary to what we were talking about earlier but if you had the game wrapped up and you can rest some players for that next day that would be huge for Northwestern I think that's the only way they would be able to find success in the second game of that back-to-back it'd be really really tough um you like them as you said you like the matchup against Rutgers probably the most convincing performance for Northwestern this year that 3-0 win against Rutgers earlier on in the regular season but it's going to be a difficult ask but hey Sometimes when your back's up against the wall, that's when you perform best. Right, Amit? I agree. I think Northwestern just needs to get to the Michigan game. Anything can happen. You know, Michigan went down a man against Northwestern last time they played. Northwestern won 3-1. Actually, a little bit disappointing. They lost when they had that man advantage. But, you know, we've always said this, Austin. Tim Lenahan's style is suited towards tournament games. And I think by getting Michigan in the first round, they dodged a bullet. Didn't have to see Maryland. Didn't have to see Indiana. Didn't have to see Michigan State, the three best teams in the conference. So I think Northwestern, if there's ever a matchup that they wanted, was Michigan. The problem was they're going to be tired. But get through that Rutgers match, anything can happen. I think they will beat Rutgers fairly handily on Friday <coughs> afternoon. I think they will put in a really good shift against Michigan. But as we if, kind of touched on. Because it'll be their last match of the season if they lose. Right. They're going to be playing for everything. Sure. I think it's going to be an emotional match. It always is like that. Michigan... You know, they want to win the Big Ten, but they're probably locked to the NCAA tournament, so... It's just, it's really tough to have to play 90 minutes one day, Parker. When you're on against Rutgers with that same sort of pressure that, hey, if we let slip here, we're done. Season's over. You have that pressure on Friday, and then to have to come back so quickly on Saturday. <laughs> it's really tough to ask for a team, and it's kind of unfair the Big Ten. Like, 
Does Rutgers really need to be in the tournament? Like, let's just cut the nine seed out of the tournament. Only let the top eight in. That's what they do in the women's tournament. Wait, it works con- great. Congrats. You lost a match. You didn't win a match all year, and you get a chance in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I think that's very fair. Like, the other thing, though, I think uh, in terms of the back-to-back games, talking about, you know, being so tiring and everything, I think that's true, but at the same time, uh, these players... If you grow up playing club soccer, if you grow up playing tournaments, you play. You you, all you, the you time. can play up to three games in two days and weekend, and pretty regular. You, you play pretty four regular games in up two to days. four, yeah. yeah. And, and and so I mean, I think I think it's it's overestimated a little bit. Yes, it's at the end of a very long season. I think there's definitely something to be said for that. But when that adrenaline kicks in, when you're in the tournament, uh, I can speak from my experience as a player. It really changes the way you feel about that. Um, I think sometimes you don't realize perhaps how sluggish you are being it at the end of the the season. But in terms of a mentality aspect, I don't really think that that's as big of a deal um, as we may be making it out to be. And I think that can play in favor of Northwestern. Sure. Um, I think I think there's there's something to be said there for that. You get a bit of a rhythm too as well. Michigan won't have that. They'll be coming in kind of cold on that Saturday match. Yeah. Who knows? We'll see what happens for Northwestern. Well, that's gonna wrap it up for the Northwestern soccer talk on this podcast. Uh, just click to that little timer-wise if you don't want to hear our Champions League ramblings for Amit's interview with Michael Moynihan. Another underwhelming slate of matches in the Champions League. This was the same when, when these groups were in their third set of matches. Uh, did any results stick out to you today, Parker? You know, I have to be honest, Austin. I did not watch a single Champions Great. League game today. Great. I've been I've been very... Uh, I mean, the I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to say anti-Champions League, but a little sad that Arsenal isn't in it. You know, sure. they they were always at least entertaining in the group you can't, stage. You can't if they didn't lose make to it Bayern if you don't make the Champions League. There you go. Got to be thinking. Got to be thinking ahead. <laughs> but hey, Bayern only second, only second in their group. I mean, they, they're looking comfortable, but yeah, well, they might not finish first. Roma pounded Chelsea three nil. That was the first loss for an English team in the Champions League this I would, year. I would call that a surprise. Didn't know that happened. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fairly interesting result. Yeah, mate. You know where I'm going. The boys. The second boys. The first boys, Besiktas, play they tomorrow. Didn't, they didn't play today. We're they recording this on a Tuesday. They play early tomorrow, so make sure you have your clock set. They play at noon central time against Monaco tomorrow. So make sure you're tuned into that one as Besiktas look to make it four out of four. But the other boys of Carabaj, not dead yet. Probably not still living, but not dead yet. <laughs> the they zombie. Went to, the zombie Carabaj. Yeah, sure. They went to Madrid, pounded out a point. For the second straight match against they Atletico Madrid. They didn't even Madrid. have Dino. They did not have Dino, who got sent off in the first one. Pedro Hiki, their other good player, got sent off in this one. They're on two points. They're at bottom of Group C, but they're only point back of Atletico Madrid. Chelsea's got to make the trip to Baku still. Chelsea looking a little bit sluggish. Last match day. Don't count out Carabaj getting into the Europa League. That's all I'll say. I'm here for it. I'm so here sure. for it. Sure. Rooting for Carabaj. Uh, <laughs> United 2-0 against Benfica. They got an easy group at the start of the competition. They've won four from four. It's going to come down to Basel or CSK for the second spot out of that group. But credit to United. They've really taken care of business in the Champions League this year. And that's what Mike, uh, that's what Jose Mourinho, I almost said Michael Moynihan. That's what Jose Mourinho. <laughs> wow, wow. Breaking news. Heard it here first. Michael Moynihan appointed new manager of Manchester the United. The new Fergie, some have been, some have been speculating. Wow, that's what menthol will do to you, folks. <laughs> Mourinho, Moynihan, sorry. But that's what Jose Mourinho does for your team. He takes care of business. And you know what? They did. Maybe they did get an easy group, but you don't expect anything less. Sure. Uh, other results today. PSG put five past Anderlecht. 
Bayern got by Celtics, so PSG Bayern. Bayern have not looked good this season. They've had a lot of manager problems. It's been a weird year. PSG's goal differential is plus 17 through four matches played, so Bayern is going to have to catch PSG on points. No, sorry, they're going to have to pass PSG if they're going to get first. So Bayern could be <coughs> lurking in that runner-up pot coming out of the group stage. It looks like they're safely going who, to get that, out of the that group. That would be who Besiktas would want to avoid. Yes. Yeah. That will also probably be who Besiktas will draw. It's all right. It's all right. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Um, Let's see. Other things. Juventus only got a point against Sporting. Barcelona didn't look particularly plus with their match against Olympiacos. First point of the competition for the Greek side. Barcelona on 10. Juventus on 7. Barcelona could have really ran away and hid at the top of this group. But, Parker, there's no chance that Barcelona doesn't win this group, right? No. No. They're going to win the group. They're comfortable. (laughs) They're very comfortable. They don't. I don't think they really care about Juventus, them. another team that Besiktas will probably be looking to avoid out of that runner-up yep. pot. Right now, give me whoever comes out of Group A. I'd like that. Uh, Real Madrid could be lurking in the runners-up pot. Let's not let that happen either, guys. Just putting that yeah. out Well, there. as a Tottenham fan, uh, you know, I if Tottenham played Besiktas, I would be a little scared. Yeah, you have to be. You have to be. It goes I the other way, either. too. It does. Uh, Tottenham, Bayern in the round of 16 of it. Who says no? Me. <laughs> then the Jeffrey will make all the same of North jokes. London. Yeah. All of North Everyone London. will just make the same jokes that Arsenal saw the last few years. We're not going to beat Bayern. Sure, makes sense. Uh, matches tomorrow on Wednesday. A couple of big ones. Good, good little, good little set. Yeah, here. Napoli, Napoli, Real Madrid, Napoli, Man City is always fun because Napoli, in my mind, are the most fun team to watch offensively in Europe. But Man City also is just playing at another level right now. Sure. Uh, the last time Liverpool played Maribor, they put seven past them. That oh. game was not at Anfield. This one is. So Liverpool could put a lot of goals past them. Liverpool probably need to take this match seriously. I don't think they'll <coughs> see rotations because they are level on points with Spartak. Sevilla only one behind. So I uh, could see a lot from the Reds tomorrow, huh, Parker? There could be a lot of goals. A lot of goals in this game. And not many of them are going to come from Maribor. Yeah, I think that is fair to say. So far in the Champions League, only one of them have come from Marbor, and 11 have come from the others. Shakhtar Donetsk is lurking, probably rooting for City to knock off Napoli. Shakhtar has the return with Feyenoord, who has been really bad at the bottom of that Group F. Shakhtar could absolutely, I think, pip Napoli for the second spot in Group F. The Shakhtar-Napoli match upcoming later on in the competition. But Shakhtar, could be a big one. they need to take care of business. They win this. Absolutely. They've got to get good. three points here because Napoli still get a chance against Feyenoord down the line. Right. And then if you win this, then you only need a draw against yeah. Napoli in that match next week. So this is a big match for the boys at Shakhtar. They're my one of my favorite teams, thanks to Razvan Rot. I'm sure I've told that story yep. on the pod. The three people who listen to this segment are probably sick of hearing of Razvan Rot. They probably are. But at home, you don't want to come to Kharkiv. Really don't want to go to Kharkiv. Uh, it's a really good... Uh, the group has shaped up nicely for Shakhtar. Sure. And Feyenoord... Uh, I don't think they're very good. Thanks for playing. Thanks for playing. They're very good. Uh, Applewell go to Borussia Dortmund. Darn but they forced a tie there at home last time. And that was huge for Tottenham and Real Madrid. Can Applewell do the same in Dortmund? Dortmund, they need to get their stuff together. Because if they don't, they're out of the group. If they draw this game, they're probably out. Everybody still gets to play Applewell, too. Applewell's dreaming of the Europa League, boys. Uh, Finally... um, Parker, what do you make of this Tottenham-Real Madrid match tomorrow? It's tasty. Real got a point at the Bernabeu. Harry Kane, my least favorite striker in the world, may or may not play. It is not August, so Harry Kane could theoretically score 
by law he's allowed to score because it's not August. What do you make of Real and Tottenham tomorrow? I would have to favor Real in this one. Yes, I do have a slight hint of bias uh, being an Arsenal fan against Tottenham. That being said, I think uh, Tottenham played really well to get a point last time, and Madrid is just not going to be happy with that. They could create some distance as well here, avoid that chance of finishing second. As if Because if they can get a win here and then do their thing against Applewell, they're looking good. I think you, you have a lot more favorable draws coming out of the group winner's pot than you do out of the, out of the runner's just, pot. That's how it works. Uh, also, Tottenham, not only did they play well, they got extremely lucky. Madrid should have maybe scored two or three. Lloris had a great game. I think Tottenham, they're not going to be able to hold off Real Madrid for a whole match. Maybe they'll get one or two, but Madrid's really, really good. And at Wembley, you know, kind of reduces the home field advantage for Tottenham. I think in the Premier League, maybe it's coming back to their home field advantage. But Real Madrid are going to relish the chance of playing at Wembley. I don't think Tottenham's going to have the edge here. Unfortunately, we do not get one of our favorite Champions League match day pastimes this week. We do not get Cristiano Ronaldo pads his stats with four more against Apoel or Marabor, whoever it is. He's playing a real team this time. That's a bit I love it when Portugal plays like Andorra. Yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo Lichtenstein. stepping up for every penalty. Or Luxembourg. It's 6-0. Portugal's won a penalty in the 87th minute. Oh, here comes Ronaldo. Got to get another goal. Gonna stack my stack my stats here. Well, do you they, want Nani taking? They penalties? all count the same. I want not Ronaldo taking. <laughs> we, Austin and I just have some beef with Ronaldo padding his stats against. Very it's like boring. it's classic. It's like oh, here's a Ronaldo poker against Marabor. He's got four more to his total. Yeah, and then he celebrates and rips his shirt yeah, off. Like, like dude, congrats, Marabor, Cristiano, relax. Uh, all right, well, I think that's gonna do it for our Champions League talk. Let's touch quickly on the MLS playoffs because those are going on right now. A couple of really fun matches. A couple of really bad matches. Parker, who do you got winning the MLS Cup? Just throw a dart. I know you probably haven't watched any of it. Just throw a dart. Throw a dart. Oh, boy. <coughs> Josie's can... mad that he got booed by the Red Bull supporters last night. Give me I... a break, Josie. I can only name two teams that are in the MLS All right, well, you got, you got a 50% chance then. And uh, I would say I was more impressed in the one half of this game that I watched with Vancouver than I was with Seattle. So I will say Vancouver. Vancouver Whitecaps. Whitecaps. Amit. I was going to say New York City FC, but as I checked, they're already down 1-0 to oh, Columbus. Oh, save the crew! Who are playing for their premier, uh, their MLS lives. I mean, like, not really. Like, it, not really. It doesn't matter. Like, if they win, win they can lose. still move. Like, yeah. yeah, well. They're playing with some support from that. I think Toronto's the best team in the league. They were last year, didn't win. Uh, I think they're due to get one. They just have so much talent. Jovinko's really good. He's That's really good. And it, nothing would make me happier than Altidore Bradley getting a title in the MLS in the year they didn't qualify for the World Cup, and just the celebrations would feel so hollow. Columbus Crew are going to win the title. They're probably not going to win the title, but that seemed like the most outlandish thing I could say in this segment. Now that my boys, Atlanta United, are out, Ugh, I guess I'll pick so the sad. team. I'll pick the team. Zach Steffen looked really good. I watched the Columbus-Atlanta match. Zach Steffen looked really good. I think he's the U.S. goalkeeper of the future. And it's unfortunate that he probably won't get the call-up for that Portugal match because it's in the MLS Cup playoffs and they're going to avoid calling up MLS players. But starting in March, I don't see any reason why Zach Steffen should not be in the squad, along with Will Yarbrough. Just, you know. Ethan Horvath. Ethan Horvath does not need to be in the squad. I will Free Jesse say Gonzalez. Yeah, I would be fine with Yarbrough, Gonzalez, and Zach Steffen. That's my three. I heard they're going to let the kids play. Yeah, that's my three. I don't need to see any more Brad Guzan. <coughs> Sorry, Brad. Uh-oh. Your time's done. I've seen a bit too much, Brad Guzan. Never forget the Brad Guzan uh, special against Middlesbrough Chelsea last year. Got relegated twice, and also in the last second to last game of the season, 
got nutmegged on three different goals. Ugh. More like bad Gruzan. And on that note, I'm in Alex interview with Michael Moynihan. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I'm Amit Malik of WDR Sports here with Northwestern women's head soccer coach Michael Moynihan for our weekly chat. We're in the postseason now, coach. Everything this end is fun side of the season. Your team is coming off of a 1-0 win against Purdue on Sunday in the Big Ten tournament quarterfinal. Was a solid game from your team. Purdue was a pretty solid side. You ended up getting a late winner. How is your team able to come on top at the end in a really you know tight match? Yeah, I mean... The way the game started, I thought we were going to get a good lead, <laughs> you know, early on because we came out, I thought, uh, exceptionally well and had, you know, eight good chances or so in the first 10 minutes. And, um, you know, we just weren't finding the back of the net, which sometimes happens. Um, the, you know, sometimes I guess when you're having that kind of uh, dominance, you can take your foot off the gas a little bit and uh, and have a let up. Uh, the first time around, actually against Purdue, we we really controlled the early portion of the game, probably the first 20 minutes. And when Purdue got their corner kick and scored, uh, that's when things started to change. So, you know, we were looking at it from the sideline, like, well, we know they're probably going to still have some chances and some say in this, and uh, we were just waiting for it. And, Sure enough, you know, I think Purdue did well to counterattack a few times effectively and create some good chances. Um, but, you know, we weathered it all well enough. And uh, what was really nice to see was just I, I thought our players really kept their confidence uh, and stayed hungry. And um, anytime we get a set piece, you know, we feel like we can score. And sure enough, you know, that's, that's where we got it again. So uh, it's nice to see the level of confidence they have in that. Your team had a lot of variety on set pieces, not just you know the simple driven ball into the box. A lot of rolls. Um, Michelle was open on. I'm not sure if that was a design play. Was that designed for her to kind of slip out of that mass of bodies? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's there's definitely strategy to it and how we space ourselves in the box and um, you know her role is kind of dual, so um, that was certainly part of it. Yeah. And then just in general, it felt like your best chances that game kept on coming on set pieces. You said you know your team gets very excited for those. What did what was it specifically like in that game that the run of play you guys had good chances, but it felt like especially on set pieces you were so close to scoring a few times the first half and then did you feel like you were gonna get one eventually the more you got set pieces to score off of? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um you know the just the way uh, Purdue defended, especially on corner kicks. You know, they, they had two tendencies. One, they, they dropped very aggressively a lot of the times on free kicks, you know, close to the goalkeeper. And whenever that happens, you you know, you can flip just a little touch sometimes is all it takes to get it in. And we have some people that are capable of getting that touch. Um, but on the corner kicks, you know, we, we play zonally. And Purdue, put, you know, set up something the first time round for us that our players hadn't seen to try to draw the players out of the zone and worked successfully and you know they converted on two corner kicks. We looked at the way they defended on corner kicks and we kind of wanted to do something similar and I, I was a little surprised because I think we had six corner kicks in the first half um, and Purdue just did not want to commit numbers to contain it uh, out wide and you know Cassidy was giving some great serves in and um, yeah, Kennel had one and um, you know so 
I don't know. You know, I I felt like uh, if they commit numbers wide, we can punish them. If they don't, we can still punish them. So it was working well for us, and I think that's where our players had that confidence. Defensively, your team, fifth straight shutout, contained a very solid attacking team. Matty Williams, obviously one of the best strikers in the conference, had some other good attacking players too. How's your team able to keep up its communication in the back and get another shutout? Yeah, well, I mean, there was a couple times we were uh, stretched a bit, and um, the I think the comforting thing is we have some players that they'll put their body on the line and do whatever they have to to block things and, and keep it out so we know you know that individual desire is there uh, organizationally I thought we were very solid I was looking at it Purdue was only shut out once the entire year uh, until our game so and that was Minnesota and uh, <coughs> every other game they scored at least a goal so uh, it was a very potent you know attacking team that we were able to shut out which was fantastic they were second in the conference scored two goals a game so good result as you mentioned for your team mm-hmm. um Want to uh, look big picture a bit. This is the third year in a row your team has gone to the Big Ten semifinals. Last year you defeated Nebraska two years ago, got a big win against number six Penn State. What does it mean for your program to just get to the second round of the Big Ten tournament for three straight years? Uh, you know, it's shown signs of stability that were uh, somebody that people certainly can't take lightly. Um, you know, and I, I think in each case we've deserved to be there. Um, based on the way the games have played out. So, you know, we still got steps to take, though. We've only once in the history of our program um, has the team ever made it to the final, and that was all the way back in 1997. So, uh, you know, getting there is, is the next step for us, and that's where we got our, our sights set on. Before I ask about this weekend's matchup against Wisconsin, I want to ask about the All-Big Ten Awards. Uh, you had three players awarded on the All-Big Ten teams and then one on the All-Freshman team. That was Reagan Steinletter. Hannah Davidson was third team. Kayla Sharples and Marissa Vigiano were first team. What does it mean for those players to, you know, get some recognition uh, for a good year for your team again? Yeah, it's great. You know, the, the conference awards, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's always mixed. At, at the end of every year, there's some, some that, you, you know, there's some exclusions that you're kind of scratching your head over. Um... This year, one in particular, you know, Lauren Clem's absence there. She's currently the all-time leader in shutouts for the Big Ten. Um, has had a great year, and we were tied for first in the number of shutouts that we had. And certainly defense is a, is a team statistic, um, but Lauren's had a big part in that. And uh, I don't know, scratching my head over that one. But for the others that, that uh, did receive awards, and I think there's a few others that we could point to as well and say what you know what's going on. Uh, so I always feel for those players, but um, you know it's, it, it is nice to see the recognition that our our two central defenders have gotten. Um, obviously, we've had a lot of shutouts, and we've we play good team defense, so uh, they're at the heart of it. And I think two players very deserving, Marissa Vigiano. Uh, Every game, you know, she's been fantastic and somebody that has stood out in every game that we've played. Um, so she worked extremely hard in the off season, and uh, it's nice to see all that work paying off. Let's look ahead to this weekend. You're facing Wisconsin on Friday, semifinal Big Ten tournament. A team you saw earlier in the season, you beat them 2-0 in Evanston. Pretty comprehensive performance. 
I kind of asked you last week what it was like to prepare against Purdue, a team you already saw. Is the process the same for a team you've already played this season against Wisconsin, even if you have beat them? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, say comprehensive, but uh, they actually had a really good chance to score to start the scoring. They had a free kick that we didn't mark very well on, and uh, <coughs> they headed it a little bit wide. And, you know, I look at it and think, oh, my gosh, what were we doing there? Um, we don't typically give up much on set pieces. So... Those are things that we're going to be looking at uh, to take that away. They, uh, they're a tough team to play. You know, it's uh, similar to Nebraska in some ways where um, they've got some speed in the right positions where they can hurt you. Um, they're a team that's good on set pieces. Their goalkeeper has very long distribution and can get you on counterattacks. Um, and they just play so tight defensively. You know, it's a, it's a very compact team shape that's very difficult to work through. So, um, you know, certainly nobody to take lightly. And, and I think, you know, they probably feel similar to us when we lost to Purdue. They want to come out and show everybody that, you know, maybe that result wasn't the way it should have been and, uh, you know, kind of redeem themselves. And uh, we just have to keep, keep focused and keep our eyes set on, you know, being able to play in the next game. That's where we want to get to. And whoever is in front of us, doesn't really matter. We want to get to the next game. Your team just finished stopping Maddie Williams. Now you have to stop Danny Rhodes. You know, how does that factor into your game plan facing another very talented striker? Yeah, it seems everybody in the Big Ten has one. You know, Danny Rhodes and Maddie Williams, I think, are slightly different um, types of players, so you got to prepare a little bit differently. Um, but, you know, one of the things I think our backs have been dealing really well with is players that have pace and being able to absorb it and um, and contain it. And so hopefully, you know, it's something that we work on a lot and hopefully they're up to the task against her as well. Obviously, you guys aren't doing too much bracket watching, just focused on Friday, but Penn State beat Rutgers, Ohio State beat Iowa. You know, how do you just feel in general, big picture, about the other side of the bracket, who you, you might face uh, out of those two teams? Yeah, whoever it is, it's going to be tough. You know, those are two really good teams. Uh, Penn State handled us pretty good the first time around, and Ohio State, you know, we beat, but it was a tough game, you know, and um, they showed through the course of the season, you know, why they're the, they finished number one. Um, so, yeah, that's nothing, you know, we'll worry about that if and when we get there. Um, the big thing is we got to get there. We got to get this team back to a championship match. Of course. Um, last question. I always ask this every week. You're playing in a neutral site. It's going to be a little different atmosphere. Who are you looking forward to step up? And, you know, right now, the biggest game of your season could be anyone. Yeah. Well, Michelle Cherneski certainly has stepped up the last few games. She got the game winner. Uh, I think she's been, you know, really, really solid in the midfield for us. Um, still looking for you know, goals through the run of play. And, uh, you know, I watched Brenna in practice. And, I mean, she's going against our defenders who are among the best in the Big Ten, and I, I know she has it in her um, to score. And I hope uh, I hope she plays with that kind of confidence that, that she does uh, against players that she's familiar with. And uh, I think... Uh, and she can make some stuff happen for us that lead to goals to the end play. Great. Thanks a lot, Coach. Good luck this weekend in the back half of the Big Ten Tournament. Thank you.